Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the auto detailing industry. You can find me on most platforms at Total Auto Solutions. If you're on TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct. Plenty of people did it this weekend. We had some really great discussions. 918-800-1188. Join today with Nick. Nick can be found on most platforms at Vegas.rides. If you want to reach out to him, shoot him an email, nick at vegasrides.com. I am jumping in today to a Modela Chilada. Now, oh, there I'm you a go. Chilada fan. We, we started getting into those, what, about a year and a half, a couple years ago. Uh, we're actually out there in Vegas. We went to uh, and did a whole Chilada mix as one of our episodes with Theo. Theo uh, has a little bar, family bar. And, you know, it was a good time. See, so we've We've dove into chiladas a little bit. Uh, the question, though, Nick, hopefully you can help me out with this. Uh, what is a tamarindo picante? Do you know what that is? Uh, let's see. Well, picante is hot, and I'm guessing something about a tamale would be my guess. Okay. Well, I was hoping you could translate it for me, <laughs> but uh, I guess not. Uh, so things that mix and things that don't mix, that's what I'm going to see is, can you mix a chilada with all that spiciness? I don't know. Some people will, some people won't. Something that's kind of starting to mix and not mix, which is interesting. So my weekend started, I don't know how your weekend started, but my weekend started with nonstop construction, traffic, and people getting pissed off in wrecks. I, th I think that the wrecks are getting multiplied. I don't know if I've seen more wrecks over the past couple of weeks than I have lately. What I'm sure Vegas is always having wrecks or what? Uh, like well, you know, it's like one of the worst driving. First of all, we have, this is the number one place to get a speeding ticket in the United States, I think, is Vegas. This is like their thing to do here. That's number one. But yesterday, it's funny you brought this up because yesterday I was talking with a buddy. Uh-oh, uh somebody had wow. a... Uh, hot apologies go ahead yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> wow had a uh is it hot i don't know it just caught me off guard yeah it just uh, choked me like the spices oh, wow. and everything as i put it just <laughs> it was like whoa like wow uh so for everybody watching that was uh pretty entertaining for those of you listening that was quite the sight but uh you, no tra you almost got you almost got a splatter <laughs> of, of of gelato all over the screen so uh, that's funny yeah no we uh you know so vegas has always been bad with traffic wrecks speeding tickets but we're just having this conversation yesterday man there is so much uh traffic it went from zero during the pandemic, you know, where you could just drive around and get somewhere. It was so easy to now on a Sunday afternoon, it's like, Jesus Christ, where are all these people going? And uh, we're in that boat, man. Like we have a lot of freeways really hatcheted up, you know, construction right outside my house, which is one of the main arteries of the, the West side of Vegas from top to bottom. The whole road is, is like four different construction projects. So yeah, we're in the same boat, man. Yeah. So I fight through all of ours. I got, I got this construction around a major highway that's close to my, my house also, you know, I always try and take little diverted routes, but I mean, it just seemed like every road was had jam packed. Then I get home 
and I get to experience and I've got an old bulldog that's 11 um, on its scene its last couple of days. Now I've got a puppy that's about a year old. So I get home to this old bulldog projectile vomiting Ooh. all over. I mean, at least five times, I, it could have been up to seven. I just lost count because I couldn't yeah. clean it up anymore. So yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah. dog, you're staying home. I throw my puppy in the Jeep and I'm like, all right, come on. We got to get out of here. I need to go for a little cruise. I got to get her out. And well, made me start thinking. I was like, okay, well, hold on. I, now I've got to go find a towel because I used all my towels. I don't like to just put my dog in my Jeep because I got pet hair all over the place. So I always got to start to cover up. I try and find different things cars and dogs right i mean oh. i don't know about you are you i i love to take my dog with me uh yeah. i put my dog right in the front seat sometimes the door's off they have a blast you know i've got them hold it down or i'll chain them in right but yeah. are you a dog i mean do you put yeah your i dog got i got yeah i got two really big dogs so you know one my female she's like you know what 110 pounds 105 pounds my boy's probably you know, 75 to 80, they're big. Um, but they're like any dog, right? It's, they love going on a ride. They love being in the car. They love the excitement. Unless you're, you know, stop at the vet, then that, that kind of changes the mood of the whole trip. But, um, but yeah, I mean, but as a detailer, it's really tough to put my dog in the car. It is it, because you just remember all of that bad stuff that you've gone through with dog hair and, pets and you're just like oh my god i'm gonna put my dog in my car then i gotta right when i come home i gotta do all this work and you know that's why i've been a big proponent i i've been such a fan of rubber mats you know for a long time it actually started the best rubber mats i ever saw and i remember this vividly was a was a you know mid 2000s let's call it like 2008 9 range rover they had these mats that perfectly fit but they were high quality rubber and I just was flipped from that point on. And as, as rubber mats have become bigger, if you have an SUV, stick a rubber mat in the back, you know, protect some of the carpeted area with a towel or some of the tools they have now. And actually what you can do is just pull it out, you know, rinse it off, the hair goes away and it's, it's kind of pain-free, but man, as a detailer, it is tough to put your dog in your car. It just is. So you remember, I guess that you mentioned that specific Range Rover and when was it that WeatherTech started coming out? I feel like it was somewhere around there or just yeah. after. Or, yeah. And they, or, they just weren't, you know, WeatherTech is something you like. And, you know, I, I would love for people to chime in on this. It seems like you either love WeatherTechs or you hate them. There doesn't seem to be an in-between like, yeah, yeah, I could have them. I'm kind of like, those are a bit cumbersome on some vehicles. Like if I had a big truck or something like that, I think WeatherTech works great, you know, cause they don't look like they're taking over the truck cause there's so much space, but on a car, sometimes you look at WeatherTech and you're like, that's all you can see is the WeatherTech mat. You know, you don't even see the seat basically. Cause it's like the WeatherTech mat is so big, but I mean, just like a good quality rubber mat, you know, when they started getting better and better, really makes the dog experience easier and actually probably makes you want to put them in the car more, um, you know, would, would be my take on it. But yeah, putting your dog in the car and just thinking about all that dog hair cleanup. Oh, brutal. All right. So you, you mentioned mats and stuff. I mean, the funniest parts of mats for me though, are when you see where you've got like a floor mat and then you got another mat covering the floor mat. Right. And that's enough. And that, you know, generally that would be good. I've done yeah. that too. You know, I'll grab a, a, a rubber mat stick it over the regular format yeah. but 
Have you seen where they put a mat on top of a mat and then put something to cover up that mat? Oh yeah. And have you seen where they, where they flip it over? Yeah. It's like, come on, man. We're at the point of mats aren't that expensive. Just buy a new set of mats. Like if your mats go bad. And actually this is something I tell a lot of people. As soon as you buy a used car, one of the greatest piece of advice is go on that OEM's website and just order all new mats. They're very inexpensive for most cars. You know, don't sit there and try to bring a bad mat back to life on a car you just purchased because it's like, you're just going to get pissed off because you're going to have all this extraction done, this and that. It's like, hey, pay the $130 or 150 bucks and just buy yourself some new OEM mats. I, I promise you're going to have a much better experience. That's like a little hack that I give people is like, number one, most of the bad smell in your car is in those mats. If I pull the mats, people always look at the headliner. They're like, oh, the headliner holds this. Pull the mats out, get brand new mats. I guarantee you, for most of you, you won't have a bad smell in your car anymore. That's my used car hack. It's like, dude, mats just aren't, aren't worth it. But yeah, I've seen it all four mats, three mats, two mats and a, and a rubber mat. And it's like, man, we're getting to the paranoid level here. All right. So you mentioned something that you like that you put, you know, if, let's say, right. I, I throw my dog in the front seat, but there's plenty of people that don't put them in the front seat. They might put them in the back seat or in between, but I usually just take a, a, a sheet, you know, maybe it's the sheet that, you know, is the, or not the sheet, whatever the, the bottom part the, of the sheet yeah, set the, is. Yeah, the fitted, the fitted the sheet. The fitted sheet, yeah. And I'll put yeah. that around. I'll use an old one or something. Uh, but I, I feel sometimes, have you ever gotten in an Uber where you see that in an Uber car? And, you, you know, I'm just sort of, sometimes I'm just like, mm, you know, I didn't, so that's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that. What, what is it that you're talking about that goes like this? How oh, yeah. So, so basically, like, let's say you have like a four-door sedan or you have a, you know, even somebody like yourself has a Jeep Cherokee, okay, instead of a Wrangler. But you have stuff in the back of your Jeep Wrangler. So your dogs always go in the second row, right? Right behind the driver. Basically, you can have these, uh, these covers that clip on to the back of the headrest of the front seat on both sides. And then the headrest of the back of the back seat and it creates a U so the dog is like encapsulated in this fabric and it's not touching any of your seats and it's hard for them to jump over because there's cloth that keeps them from jumping over onto your, your arm rest of the driver. And we've all been there where we've seen that claw damage that can happen on, on something like that. But yeah, those are great as well. Mo mainly you see most people that use those have a four door sedan, you know, they have to put the, car, the, the, the dogs in the back seat. You just put this thing on and it's basically just a big, real durable, like moving cloth with hooks on it that, you know, you put around uh, the headrests on both sides, the, the back of the, the front seats and then the front of the, the uh, back seat. And it creates this U channel and they jump right in and they're just, they're protected from everything. Nice. Yeah. I, that I started putting mine in that front seat so I could get a hold of them yeah. uh, because of that reason. Right. Like the first couple of times I took dogs with me and this was years, right. Years ago. You're right. Like that paw went up and I've had English bulldogs, English bulldogs, you know, they, they don't have huge nails, but I mean, they're, they're enough. And, and that first little scrape and I'm like, Oh no, hell no, we're not doing this. No. So, you know, yeah. definitely went up to the front seat it's interesting though. I mean, you've probably seen it. And I, I know on some of my vehicles, I've had it because I've had to grab the dog because they'll jump up on the, you know, the yep. door and they'll yep. put their paws up there, or maybe they see something and they go up there. Those scratch marks Ugh. on the, 
is brutal, isn't it? But I mean, for people that ride around with with dogs in their car, like, listen, so we hopped in and we're taking this little trip. I like to go up to Turkey Mountain. It's a little place that's not far from me. Now, granted, we're in Oklahoma, right? Let's Let's reiterate, we actually don't have mountains. Oklahoma does, we are the home. This is really interesting. A little side note about Oklahoma, the town of Poto, right? Down in Southeast Oklahoma has the world's highest hill. Oh, there you go. And each year they apparently go in and scrape a little bit off the top just so they can stay the world's <laughs> highest hill without actually going to a mountain. So, you know, Turkey Mountain is more like a, uh, a molehill probably, yeah. you know, it's, but we get up there, walk around, I'll take my bike, go, you know, anyway, I'm going up there, right? Almost to get up there. And sure enough, a little red Miata pulls up right by me. What is in a little red Miata with that top down? The giant Great Dane. I mean, this thing, <laughs> I bet you from its chest up is all out. This head is probably two feet above. Just taking their... bugs. <laughs> I mean, but happy as can be, right? Like, yeah, 100%. But could 100%. you imagine, right? Imagine what that vehicle looks like and the quality of oh. the condition. I mean, two things that probably should not go together. A Great giant Dane and Miata. <laughs> and a little red Miata, right? Yeah, no, it's... I can't believe you saw that number one, but yeah, I was telling you the craziest thing that I see is how do you drive with the dog on your arm? Oh, that's like okay. a real big thing out here. Like people I, just I, have their dog and the dog is just like on their arm and they're and the dog's like then out the window, then the dog's hopping on their lap and then the dog's on. I'm like, damn, that's a lot of stuff going on going 55 or 60 or 70 miles an hour. So I've said the story just a, a couple of times, but so when I first got into mobile, uh, you know, as I started at least to make a little bit, I could survive, I could pay rent, you know, and it started to really grow, able to have in a little coin, right? The first thing I wanted to do as a young dude in the Midwest was get a dog, right? I mean, yeah. just, just is what it is. So yeah. and I've, I've been fascinated with bulldogs. I grabbed a bulldog. That bulldog didn't sit over in that seat very long. It came over and sat in my lap very quickly. So I'm a dude driving around with this bulldog in my lap and I couldn't get it out. Like uh, half the time I just sit there like this and the other one like this. But the funny thing is, is as a mobile detailer, you get a phone call, right? I'm trying to answer the phone. I got a dog in my lap and exactly. I'm trying to drive. And then every once in a while I'll go over and try and like write a note down, make a <laughs> schedule. Like, listen, it, it is a gift to be able to drive and have a dog. But I wonder, you know, you get in a wreck and you got a dog in your front. Uh, you know, in your lab. That, that yeah, no, go we got well. we got lucky. We actually almost took our dog to Palm Springs on the trip that I got in that bad accident I told you about. Had that dog been in the back of our SUV when we got in that wreck, it'd have been dead. You know, that's the thing people don't think about. You know, we certainly thought about it, you know, a day later or something as we kind of got our life together and we were done with the wreck, whatever. It's like, man, we're kind of lucky we didn't have our dog with us because car wrecks are no joke. And there's nowhere for a dog to go. There's nothing to save the dog. Like it, it is something none of us think about just because you don't think about it. Right. Like you don't think about getting in a car accident. You just, you just don't. And uh, yeah, I'm always fascinated. Like, you know, men and women got the dogs climbing on their arm. I'm like, God damn, dude, that just at some point would get annoying. And sometimes it does. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> You're right. That's pretty funny. Uh, that's great. Uh, so anyway, I, I end up getting everything cleaned up in the house. I get a carpet cleaner and we do all this. I put some sanitizer in my mixture because I'm thinking, you know what? I probably ought to get something in there to kill all yeah. that bacteria and stuff. Yeah. Well, when we're in a car and we're trying to clean it, uh, you know, I, I think my, if you want to say hack, or I like to say tip, right? How do you clean a car that's got pear all over it? I like to spray a little bit of dressing on the carpets or the seats or something that silicone gets into the hairs, gets in the fiber and really helps remove the pet hair. Uh, any tips or anything that, that you guys like to do? I tell you what, we, the, the thing that changed a lot for us is if you have a big SUV um, that it's hard to reach into the back of, you know, like you remember, you know, Suburbans, Escalades have those big backs. Instead of climbing up in there, you can take a uh, extendable squeegee you know that they use for windows and you can actually use that to rake the dog hair off those uh the back of the the seats and you know because you know that like hot bumper feel when you're reaching over you know if you're trying to reach far into the vehicle plus it's a lot of surface area you know those squeegees are you know probably anywhere from six to 12 inches so you could actually really move a lot of weight using those you know window squeegees that are boomable you know, have a boom pole on them uh so that'd be my biggest tip is i've never done the dressing thing we'll have to try that uh because it definitely makes a lot of sense but yeah for bigger vehicles using those things that have a boom pole window squeegees work terrific well good tip just a tip i appreciate that <laughs> Uh, all right. So one of the things that I know you and I have been chopping back and forth and, and it's, it is interesting the way, you know, industry goes and things evolve. I was on uh, Saturday night, went hung out with some detailers here. It's called detailers of Oklahoma. And one of the guys had mentioned, right. He's now seen some, some things change or, or stuff going on. He's like, I'm going to bring in PPF he goes out and throws in this big thing, gets a big plotter, but he says they're two months out. So he, he already put his money down, but he's two months out from actually getting the plotter. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. <clears throat> the interesting part about PPF growing and then here growing and then maybe back. Now we're seeing, which is really interesting, companies that were massive in multi-level coatings because yep. during multi-level booms, they were the forefront and that's all they preached. You and I have said this and we're seeing it on a regular basis. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the industry, multi-level coatings are on a massive crater downfall. And these companies are now going, oh, well, let's do PPF. Yep. And they're now pushing their own PPF. Super interesting. What, what's your thoughts on PPF? Well, I mean, I, I think PPF needs a lot of context, right? You know, you and I have talked about PPF before. I installed my first piece of PPF. I think it was in 98 or 99. I think it was late 98. Uh, and I told you I had a buddy who had a graphics company and graphics companies really aren't around anymore, but car graphics used to be a big business. Um, you know, on the side of trucks, on the side of cars, you'd put these big graphic packages, dealerships would sell them for more money, that kind of thing. I mean, it was real. That shit doesn't happen anymore. So was that like, I think you mentioned earlier, is that like, Walk us through that, because not everybody's going to remember. It could be like uh, on the back of a truck. It looks like mud or rocks. Yeah, or... yeah and it could be like tribal art. Uh, tribal you know, art was a big one. Yeah, yeah. It was a big one. Um, but anyway, it took a lot of skill, because remember, these graphics had a lot of cuts in them. So, you know, to lay a graphic from 
the front wheel of an of a let's call it a Silverado all the way to the mid of the bed, you know, one piece in a lot of cases, or let's say you did a multi-piece graphic. Look, it took some talent. You know, it was it was a really big deal to 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 do. And this guy built an exceptional business. Basically, just worked with dealerships. Went dealership to dealership and said, "Oh, you got a Chevy Cavalier? Boom! You know, you got a Chevy Silverado? Boom! You got a Ford? Boom! We'll put this on." And they'll upsell their customers because people want graphics. But he also had PPF back then, and PPF back then was you know not as good as it is now, but it's certainly the same technology. PPF is a 1960s technology. Uh, it was a military technology that they used in the Vietnam War. People are being sold as though PPF is like some kind of new thing. It's not new at all. It's evolved like any technology, like coding technology, like, you know, any chemical we use basically has evolved in, in detailing. But the PPF thing is funny that people forget who are, people just don't know. PPF has gone boom and bust twice in my career. Explain, so, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, PPF was really big in the nineties and people will remember, or will hear detailers say, Oh, this doesn't yellow that they fixed the glue problem. You know, this won't turn yellow, all that kind of stuff. Well, that comes from the nineties and early two thousands PPF. So in 1999, 2000, we had the dot-com bubble burst, which was a downfall in the economy. A few years later, the housing bubble starts. And so PPF grows 2008, the housing bubble bursts. PPF basically becomes pretty non-existent. Now we haven't had a downturn since 2008 and PPF has taken off again. I venture to say PPF will take a very big hit in the next downfall because it's a very expensive technology to put on. It's very labor intensive to do it properly. And so it's just common sense to say a $10,000 install of PPF is probably going to be harder to sell in the middle of a recession than it is today. Um, and that doesn't make PPF bad. I mean, we still install some PPF here. Um, you know, we, we do some stuff on the inside of Tesla's. We do some hood packages. I believe in PPF. Hold um, on. You yeah. do what on Tesla's? We do like some stuff on the interior. We use uh, PPF to like make it look like carbon fiber throughout the interior on the center console. Their center consoles are starting to change. So that business will probably evolve but basically they used to have this really shitty gloss that would get really scratched up and so we could take this these pieces of ppf and make it look like carbon fiber ppf and basically it would look awesome and yeah we, had, we, we said we sold a, we've sold like an ungodly amount of these it was such an easy thing and it, it was a real difference maker for customers and things like that we've done some stuff with range rovers and things like that but ppf is a part of our business and I believe in PPF. I just don't believe that that many people need PPF because it's really for tracking, low sitting, you know, let's just call it the C8 Corvette, right? I, I'm buying a new Corvette and I'm going to really drive this up in the mountains and I'm going to drive it hard and this and that. Great. PPF has its place. I just think I hear detailers talking about it and it's just kind of in a funny place right now. They're just sticking it on everything. Uh, I think the interesting part of the past couple of years as PPF evolved was <clears throat> getting that line out of the middle of the hood. To me, that was when I go, okay, this is cool because forever, right? And it didn't matter. Uh, I think for me, the biggest struggle was when I would go to clean those parts or, oh, yeah. right, if you're going to try and put a, you know, back then it was wax or sealant. I yep. mean, trying to keep stuff from getting in that edge. 
you'd have to tape it off. Yeah. I mean, you would basically tape that edge, like you were taping anything else, but those, those partials still get sold everywhere today. That's a big dealership upsell. And that's my sort of issue with the PPF market. If the PPF is installed properly, man, it's got a lot of value. It really does. The amount that gets installed properly, one to 2% installs probably are installed properly because it's really highly technical work. You got to take cars apart to, to properly fit PPF. Uh, and I've always told clients this, that we're on the fence. Uh, do you think I can put the car back better than Ferrari put the car together? Well, no. Okay. Well, that's the reality here. I'm taking door handles off. I'm taking emblems off. I maybe even taking uh, front bumpers off. I mean, you just got to remember all these people that, that say they're great PPF installers are taking really expensive cars apart. The odds that it's going back together than factory, it's pretty limited. What things would go wrong? Maybe the... Well, here's the deal. What, what oftentimes goes wrong, in my opinion, is there's a lot of sensors behind bumpers. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things that are incorporated and calibrated at the factory. Okay? I'm not saying that it's going to go throw a code. What I'm saying is I have been a part of stories and seen stories where certain things in the car didn't work upon impact in a crash because that bumper was taken off. And now you're in a position where uh, the detailer has to answer to an insurance company, multiple insurance companies. The customer now wants to know what the detailer did. Now the factory gets involved and says, wait a minute, you took the, the bumper off? We're, we're wiped out. You know, don't, don't come calling us. Why'd you take the bumper off? You know, I don't think people realize a lot of times, and look, we do film on windshields. We, we believe in film. I just don't think that many people qualify to put film on their car. If somebody buys a Range Rover or a G-Wagon, and that G-Wagon is going to go from an office building to a home, to a store, to soccer practice. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, Las Vegas, Nevada, Los Angeles, name a city. I got to wrap the whole vehicle? Like I'm doing right by the client by wrapping the whole vehicle? Oh, well, they really care about their vehicle. But they wouldn't know about pain protection film unless you sold it to them. So why do we sell a full wrap on a G-Wagon that's never going to be off-road, never going to go camping, ne never going to see probably two rock chips in its life? Like, what, what are we doing here? Oh, well, you know, they just care about their car. Hey, look, man, we, we have a lot of more DIYers and people that have questions about detailing coming into our circle here on this podcast. Film is not all it's cracked up to be because you stated it. The edges of film, and there will always be edges, doesn't matter how good the install is, We'll start to peel up. We'll start to gather dirt. We'll start to gather grime. No matter how good you are at taking care of it, the PPF is going to present you a, a, a headache that you paid a lot of money for. And there is no perfect install. It doesn't matter what anybody tells you. So something happens to the PPF. This is where I, I find it really interesting because I've seen it happen. I'm sure you have too, right? Let's call it a rock chip, right? Let's call it a, a rib. Let's call whatever happens, right? Could be some yellowing. And then when somebody goes to remove, right now it should technically, right? The removal process is a heat gun and pool. Heat gun, hot, pool. Hot, yeah, heat gun, steam, hot water. There's there, yep, that's the that's the mode. And then what happens, right? <laughs> on sometimes, because I, I think the ones I've seen it on where maybe the bumper had gotten resprayed, 
Then they put the PPF yep. on over it. And then the detailer goes to remove the PPF. What comes with the PPF that the glue is attached to? Paint. Now there's a moment where you go and start removing PPF and you start seeing paint come off that I don't know how to explain what I no. saw in that detailer's <laughs> eyes, the fear no. that came, and then the amount of anxiety of holy fuck, like. Yeah, something bad is, it's like when you first saw paint get burned, you know, it's like with the, with the rotary, you're like, oh my God, what did I just do? What did I just watch? What just happened? You know, you don't know the edge of anything until you go over the edge, right? And so I recently had this conversation with a collector that I deal with. He's got an invaluable Ferrari and he was talked into PPF. And if this goes awry, it could be a three or $4 million mistake. Now it's another detailer that I know. It's something that I saw all over YouTube, got intimate relationship with this collector. I said, Hey man, one piece of that original paint comes off. The value is cut in half. You don't have to believe me. Go talk to, you know, Sotheby's, go talk to Gooding, go talk to an auction house. What's the difference in price that you would list it? He got talked into it. Now, PPF is on the car. Hopefully the PPF stays on the car as long as he owns it and he can sell it and it's done. But you just stated what I try to tell anybody driving a valuable vehicle. Hey man, PPF will absolutely protect your paint. There's a flip side. The shit's got to come off. And then you're dealing with, can I get it off without creating havoc? It's not always, the answer is not always yes. And a lot of times, especially with newer paints, it'll just come off. It's not as stout as those old enamel paints or, you know, lacquers and things like that that we dealt with back in the day. I mean, this paint's more finicky today than ever. So you got something you think is going to be a collector's item. You slap it with PPF to protect it. You keep the PPF. I'm seeing PPF saying, oh, it won't, it's great for 10 plus years. Good luck. Good luck. Because I've never seen a PPF I'd want on the car 10 years. I, and again, I, I love the whole, it doesn't yellow thing. You and I have talked about this. Oh, we got this new kind of PPF I'm using at my shop. It doesn't yellow. Okay, well, not all the yellowing was glue, numbnuts. You know why PPF starts to look dirty? Because it's dirty. It's not just the glue. I always laugh at that. It's like, I can tell when somebody's only been installing PPF for, you know, five, 10 years. It's like, dude, when you pull PPF off and you start to feel the surface of it, you're like, oh my God, there's so many contaminants. There's so much dirt caught in here. There's so much stuff that gets caught in that film and everybody can say, well, it's got a protective coating on it, or we put a coating on it. At some point, man, the, the film's going to take a beating. That's what it's there to do is take a beating. It's not just yellowing from the glue. It's yellowing from the glue and the dirt and the grime. Film is not and is never going to look as good as polished, coated, or waxed paint without film. That's the other part. Film never looks as good as naked paint that's been polished and coated or waxed or sealed. Just never does. And so there's a trade-off, but film has its place. If you're going to really drive your car hard, man, go put some film on the front. You know, put it in high impact areas. That's a great idea. 
do you need it on your Range Rover that goes to your law office and back? I, I think you're probably getting ripped off a little. <laughs> so that person that is just going back and forth, or you mentioned the mom that's running around, but you know, if, if I'm a detailer or if I'm a husband, right. And I'm looking at a customer, I'm looking at my wife and I'm going, God, I don't know that they're going to really take care of it and they're not going to mm -hmm. clean it. Like I would expect them to, right. Is a battle that happens inside homes all the time. Right. Exactly. You know? Yep. Um, so what would you recommend? Because right now, most everybody would say, go put on a front clip, put on a bumper clip, put something on to protect that paint so that you don't, right? So that you don't get a rock chip or, right? Some people will say to do it because that way, if you get a bug, right? And if they don't clean that bug off, what happens? The acid starts to erode into the clear coat. Yeah. But if you got PPF on, it protects that clear coat. So yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're looking to just destroy, you know, hey, the car's going to be destroyed. I want to protect it as much as possible. I want to help as much as possible. My wife doesn't take care of her car. There's a defense of it, right? There's a, there's a serious defense of it. How many people, though, could survive doing this? Have your car one-stepped, have a high-quality two- or three-year coating put on the car, and then have your detailer come to your home and detail and wash and maintain the car every week. That way your wife doesn't have to think about it. I think that's a better alternative than dealing with film that if film isn't taken care of, the edges will start lifting sooner or later. I mean, we ran into this on a forerunner and I'll give this as a story. One of our clients takes care of her car really well. The other car in her house, her husband trashes. Like for whatever reason, he won't get on a plan with us. She is diehard about her car. He's not. Fine. No problem. I'm not going to argue about it. He got a forerunner with a with a with the front clip on it. White forerunner. So guess what's going to show when it gets dirt, grime, dirt, whatever. So he's like six, eight months into it, which I told them not to get this front clip. She asked me, she was sitting at the dealership. I said, Don't get the front clip. He'll hate it. It'll come apart. He doesn't take care of his car enough, whatever. So to your theory, PPF should be great for him, except for when you don't take care of the PPF and the edges start to peel up and dirt gets caught everywhere and it's all over the place. It's not just in one seam, it's in 50 seams. This white car now looks like the front end of it's always dirty. So they asked me, they're like, well, you know, we want to do something with this. I said, you got to peel it off. You shouldn't have had this film on. Well, we paid $7,000 at the dealership or 2000 or whatever the number they said. I said, hey, man, you got to take the loss. This film is done. You can't. This is the other thing about film. And I think you kind of hit on it. The idea that it's a magic pill for your wife or your husband that doesn't take care of their car. It's not a magic pill. You still got to take care of PPF. And matter of fact, I would say because of the edges on PPF, there's an argument that you better take care of it as much as you take care of a coated vehicle. So if you want to put PPF on and peel it off every two years, that's a different conversation. But if you're putting PPF on it and you're saying, hey, I'm going to keep this on here for five, six, seven, 10 years, like some people are selling now, you can't let it get trashed. And the care for it is a lot more detailed than people want to admit. And it's just like anything. I don't want anybody to listen to us and say, we led you down a path of there's a magic, something you can put on your car. There just isn't. PPF has to be cared for. And it's a great product. You know, look, for my clients that I know are going to drive their McLaren's hard, their Ferrari's hard, they're going to they're, they're gonna go high speeds, they may track the vehicle, then 
it's going to be a situation where we have PPF on the car. But I have plenty of cars that are Ferraris that I know guys aren't going to drive hard that don't have a single piece on it. So I, it's a customer by customer base. And if you don't really do what's right for the car and the customer, do you think they're going to be your customer very long? I don't know. That's, that's a decision everyone's going to have to make for themselves. Yeah, I agree, man. I, it's things that might mix, things that don't always mix. I know uh, you haven't you, taken a bunch of swigs of that. <laughs> I've been able to drink more of this gelada. I have. Um, you know, the picante, you, you kind of taste it a little bit. I, I definitely, the, the amount of flavor and the amount of spice that was in it, it's not overbearing once you kind of get used to it. Unlike PPF, right? I mean, PPF might be a little overbearing. You know, having your dog in the car every trip starts to get a little overbearing for the vehicle. Uh, overall, it wasn't a bad chalada. I was able to keep drinking it, so man. Uh, decent, decent beer. Hope you have a great week, Nick, man. Uh, All right, brother. Great talk, and uh, we'll see you next time, man. All right, man. Talk to you soon. See ya. Mm -hmm.